Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. It is not good that man should be alone. This is what the Lord God said way back at the beginning of time, at the beginning of creation when he had first made light and the earth and the seas and the sky and the plants and the animals and the stars and man. He had made Adam. Now I do want to spend most of our time this morning in Genesis, but we're going to jump first of all to the gospel reading here to Mark chapter 10 to make a point. The Pharisees are out to test Jesus and whenever you see this, uh, this phrase, they came to test him, it's code. It means they've come to embarrass him, to trap him, to trip him up, to shame him. They want Jesus to be silent. They want nobody to listen to him, nobody to follow him. And they ask Jesus this question, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? So Matthew's account, uh, we're in Mark in our gospel readings here, but Matthew's account adds a little more information, uh, adds that this question was about divorcing for no reason at all. Because that was kind of the practice at that time. Uh, people could, uh, a man, sorry, a man could write a, a, a letter of divorce for his wife for practically no reason at all, and it would be all right. So the trap is set because if Jesus agrees with Moses that divorce is only legal under certain circumstances, then maybe they could make trouble for Jesus. Maybe they could make trouble with Herod himself because Herod has divorced his wife and Herodias, Herod's brother's wife, has divorced uh, his brother so that they could be together and they married. And this, of course, is where John the Baptist was speaking against. He was saying, this is not right that you have your brother's wife. And John the Baptist uh, has been beheaded because of this. So maybe they have an in with Herod. They can make trouble for Jesus if he sides with Moses. But if he agrees that a man can divorce his wife for pretty much any reason, then Jesus could be accused of teaching against Moses. So they thought they had it figured out. But no matter which way Jesus falls on this, on this uh, question, they've got him. They're going to make trouble for him. But Jesus, is, as always, easily eludes them. He takes them back farther than Moses and Deuteronomy. He goes all the way back to Genesis, all the way back to the very beginning. He quotes from Moses' account of the creation of the world. He says, From the beginning God made them male and female. Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. He says those two things, taking it right out of Moses' account in Genesis. Now, there are a couple of really important things we can take from this. Keep in mind this is Jesus, the Son of God, who was there at creation, who is saying these things. And one really important note is that Jesus accepts the creation account. He accepts Genesis and how it's recorded that God made the world. 
He accepts that. He quotes from it. God made Adam from the dust of the ground. God made Eve from Adam. God made marriage as the union between one woman and one man. The account can be trusted. It's quoted by Jesus himself. Another really important side note for our culture today is that Jesus verifies that there are two genders, male and female. So now we're going to go back to Genesis. It, should not, it is not good that the man should be alone. Until this point in the creation account, God has said uh, repeatedly that the creation is good. Uh, each day, and it was, it was good, it was good, even very good. But now, all of a sudden, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. Uh, God has brought all the animals to, to Adam to name, and among all of the animals, not one was found to be fit to be a helper for Adam. And so God proceeds to make Eve in a very special way. Because Eve is not going to just be like one of the animals, not going to be just a helper, a helpful addition. No, Eve is going to even be necessary for Adam. God's only going to make two people, Adam and Eve, and from them is going to come all people. God's not going to continue to create people. He makes Adam, he makes Eve, and from the two of them, all human life will come. From the union of husband and wife, all life comes. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. And I know we've, we've mentioned this before, but this, this word, this Hebrew word rib, uh, is translated various ways in Scripture. Uh, the only time it's translated as a rib is in this account. The other times it's translated as a, a side, the side, so you could say God took the side of Adam. It's also used... Um, to describe um, supporting structures in a, in a building or something like that, some kind of a support. And we see that. Our ribs support, you know, we talk about the rib cage. Um, I think there are ribs in an airplane structure, that kind of thing. So we even use that word rib uh, as a supporting structure kind of idea. So I think it's safe to say that God didn't just remove a bone. I think, I think it's safe to say that. A, a bone, a rib from Adam, but more than that from Adam, so that uh, Adam now is incomplete. He is incomplete. And God makes Eve, makes woman, and brings her to Adam. And now Adam is going to be complete again. This at last, Adam says, is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. So in the Hebrew, man is ish. And then it, woman is isha. I think that's kind of beautiful. Ish and isha. 
And then Genesis continues. Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. So there God creates and institutes marriage. These are not just two friends, not just two companions. But God joins them together as one flesh. Adam says, this is flesh of my flesh. Adam is flesh and Eve is flesh. But God miraculously makes them into one flesh. And the Hebrew there reads, reads this way. It says uh, that God joins them together and they become flesh one. Some kind of emphasis there. So God makes Adam whole again in this one flesh union with Eve, his wife. And marriage is a very sacred and blessed estate. It, it was not created by Colorado, by the United States. It was not even created by man. It was created by God himself. Paul writes to the church in Ephesians. He writes and gives instructions for Christian marriage in Ephesians 5, a famous chapter. But notice that there's more involved in what Paul is talking about than just marriage. This is from Ephesians 5. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, Paul says, but I am talking about Christ and the church. You see, God in the very beginning, he makes Adam, he makes Eve, and the next thing he does is make marriage, makes, makes uh, this union between husband and wife, and we see that this is a type, this is a picture of Christ and the church, a picture of what God is going to do. Uh, Adam and Eve have not even fallen into sin yet. And God is already picturing the Savior and the church and their union. Think about it this way. Paul talks about Jesus as the second Adam. Okay, so keeping that in mind, God creates Adam on the sixth day and then puts him into a deep sleep. And where is Jesus on the sixth day? On the sixth day of Holy Week. He is on the cross, right? And then he is put into a deep sleep of death. The Lord God opened Adam's side, and he opens Jesus' side also. Where? On the cross, with the spear thrust. 
And what he takes from Adam, he makes Eve, Adam's bride. And what comes out of the spear thrust on the cross? Water and blood, we're, we're told, right? Water and blood flow out of the side of the new Adam, Jesus, and God makes Jesus' bride, the church. And the water, of course, represents baptism. And the blood represents the Lord's blood here that we partake of today, uh, that, that comes to us, that, that forgives our sins, represents holy communion. And it is, it is uh, not uncommon uh, for people to talk about the church being born out of the side of Christ, picturing that water and blood that comes out in the crucifixion. Eve is fit for Adam. She is not. And so take that to be the church. The church is fit for Christ. The church is not fit for Satan. The church is not uh, something to be given to Satan, but to be given to Christ. Jesus says to Satan, you can't have her. Adam says that Eve is bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh. She is called woman, for she is taken out of man. Jesus says to the, to the church, to us, this is now bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. You see, we receive the, the flesh of Christ in communion and the blood of Christ, and we are united with Christ, and we are members of his body. We are bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh. He takes on our human flesh, so that this can happen. And to the church, Jesus says, you will be called Christian because you are taken out of Christ. And as with Adam and Eve, the church and Christ are one. We are the body of Christ, united with him in his death and in his resurrection. And just as a man cleaves to his wife, as one flesh, so Christ cleaves to his bride, the church, cleaves to you and to me and to us corporately, one flesh. God said on the sixth day that it was not good for Adam to be alone, and so he made it good again, still on the sixth day, by taking some of Adam and making Eve and bringing her to Adam. And then it was very good until the two sinned and made it not good. But on Good Friday, the sixth day of the week, God made it very good again. When from the side of Christ he creates the church, holy and righteous and precious to him. And Christ is coming again as a bridegroom, coming for his bride to take us to himself. We who have been cleansed of every spot and every stain, every sin, we who have been given new birth of water and the Spirit. And what is it that all of Christendom is headed for and looking forward to, if not the marriage feast of the Lamb? The marriage feast of the Lamb with His holy bride, the church. And so we see that, that marriage, this union between husband and wife, is a good thing a wonderful creation of God, a great blessing, an institution to be honored and upheld. 
there was a, a street minister in London, a 71-year-old man, who was arrested this last April for preaching to the passing crowds. Uh, he was preaching that marriage is between one man and one woman. Now, he was arrested because apparently there is a public order act in Europe, in uh, Britain, and uh, that act was used to say that uh, this preacher was saying something that was harmful, that was abusive or insulting to people and harmed them. And so someone made a complaint and the man was arrested. Uh, the charges were eventually dropped and uh, he was released. But it kind of um, draws a picture that it may become increasingly difficult to uphold biblical marriage in the public square. But we are called to speak the truth in love. Marriage as God created it is a great blessing. But we also see that it points to a greater union. Marriage is a temporary estate, temporary for this world only. Uh, the marriage feast of the Lamb is eternal. The union that we have with Christ, Christ and His bride, the church, is eternal. We praise God for the gift of marriage. But we praise Him also for creating from Christ through His death and resurrection his bride, the church, in which we stand by grace. And we look forward with great anticipation to that heavenly marriage feast in eternity. In the name of Jesus and in anticipation of his coming again, amen. amen.